Hello, my lovely listeners. I'm Dr. Mary Barson. And I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. Welcome to this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. Good morning, Dr. Lucy. How are you going today, my friend? I am awesome, Mares. Awesome. Just had a wonderful weekend away with some gorgeous girlfriends connecting, so my cup is full. Excellent. My cup is a little drained. I've had a few ongoing hardships this last couple of weeks with my poor partner being injured and dealing with his his stress on that and also dealing with the fact that I have to pick up a lot of uh, the extra work around the place. However, I am being very kind to myself and caring about myself and it's going to be okay. It is hard, isn't it, when there's, you know, you can see, you know, he's got an injury, he's obviously in pain, he's got things going on, but at the end of the day it also affects you, not just in seeing him miserable and in pain, but actually the practicalities of it all. That's right. The dishes still need to be done. Uh, the daughter still needs to go to school. The, the wood stove needs to be attended to. Yes, all of these things. Ah, the ups and downs of life. But it is, it is all right. So speaking of ups and downs, it's a good segue into our topic today on weight loss and the scales and the ups and downs of the scales. Don't be a slave to the scales. This is a really common block that we see in our clinics and in our online programs. So Dr. Lucy, please tell us why should we not be a slave to the scales? So I think the first thing I would say is that the scales are a really rudimentary tool, meaning they're pretty basic. Even though we use digital scales that measure within, you know, 0.01 of a gram or something, they measure weight. And Mez, I know you've got some things to say on what weight is. And really, it's this whole idea that we keep talking about weight loss. I mean, we could lose weight by chopping a leg off, but nobody really wants to do that. So what are we actually talking about when we're talking about weight loss? Yeah, well, when we talk about weight loss, what we actually want is fat loss. We want to reduce the quantity of adipose tissue, stored fat that we have under our skin. Aesthetically, we want to get rid of the fat that is stored under our skin. But from my point of view as a doctor, as a weight loss doctor, I want people to lose the fat that is packed around their organs, that central abdominal sort of metabolically dangerous fat. It's the fat tissue that we want to get rid of. And when we weigh ourselves, it is a really rudimentary metric because weight is it encompasses all of us. It encompasses our bone, our muscle, our skin, our organs, the contents of our bowel, you know, whether or not we need to do a bowel motion, we're going to be heavier or lower, the contents of our bladder, uh, what we've just drunk, what we've just eaten, as well as our adipose tissue. So it is not a particularly helpful metric. And the other thing is that it fluctuates a lot and it's meant to, and it doesn't just fluctuate day to day week to week, it fluctuates hour to hour. And people can give way too much power to this tiny little dial on this pretty stupid, simple machine. I liked your little joke then, way too much power. Did you get your play on words then? 
Of course it was intentional. I've talked to people before about my dieting history and being an expert dieter, you know, gold medal dieter. And as part of that dieting, I used to weigh myself many, many times a day because I'd get on in the morning and if it wasn't the number I wanted, my day would be really crappy until I maybe got on later in the day, having not eaten or drunk anything all day, just to make sure that that number was a bit lower. So the thinking behind that is so distorted because of course the number is going to be lower because I am dehydrated. So I am essentially depriving my poor cells of fluid, the fluid they need, the water they need to function. But in my head, I didn't even think about that. That didn't even occur to me. All I needed was the number to be a bit lower and then I would be happy. When people are undergoing a healthy lifestyle change, which is really what we are all about at Real Life Medicine, they are going to lose fat. They are going to lose weight because they're losing fat. But Lucy, is it a straight process? Is it like, can you reasonably expect, you know, if I'm really good, if I do everything that I am told and stick to the green list and am extremely disciplined and just do it perfectly, I will lose two kilos a week, right? Yes, two kilos a week. Is that what I can expect? Ah, no. And this is tricky because this is where we have all been, again, hoodwinked by diet culture, which says you will lose half to one kilo a week every week. And that's just not true. It is absolutely not true. And one of the things I'm, we are really passionate about too, well, multiple things, but one of the things is really focusing on the process. The process of what you need to do to lose weight is should not and is not punitive. If it's punitive, what happens in our brain is we go, I'm doing this really, really hard thing, but it's going to be worth it because I will lose fat. Well, we don't even say that. We say lose weight. And so therefore I'm prepared to put my body through whatever it takes to lose that weight because the reward will be worth it. So this is our thinking. And, you know, you can see how it happens because everyone says, you know, there's lots of stories. You know, if you if you want something good, you've got to work hard. There's all those sorts of stories that go with this. And so it becomes this transaction because then what happens, of course, is if the number doesn't appear like the number in a poker machine, you get depressed and you think, oh, my God, I've been doing all of this for what, 200 grams Or even worse, I've been doing all of this and I haven't lost a scrap. Or even worse, I've been doing all of this and I've put on 100 grams and you just go, this isn't working and you give up. It's exactly how I used to always do my things. Really, really brutal regimes of calorie restriction, excessive exercise because the goal, the quest, go hard or go home, I was going to whip myself into shape, was all about shrinking my body and nothing about caring for my body. Yes, and it can break my heart when I see people get so deflated, so angry, or it can even they can blow up when the scales aren't showing whatever it is that they believe the scales should show. And you are right, Lucy, it's the diet industry has got a lot to answer for. People have been told that weight is king, weight is queen. It's all about weight loss. And if you're not losing weight, then you are not succeeding. And it is horrible. And when we go 
we transition to low carb real food. It is not calorie restriction. It is not the same as many other programs that exist in the very often very toxic diet culture. Low carb real food is not about reducing calories. It is about healing your metabolism, healing your body, getting your hormones, your metabolic hormones back into balance. It is about nourishing your body with good food that brings your metabolism back into a line, which allows your body to let go of fat and to lose fat naturally. And this process is not a straight line down. Low-carb real food can result in you getting more muscle, more bone, and it's not a linear process. Absolutely. And we say this a lot, weight loss is not linear. You can expect to have a sore tooth jagged sort of decline in your fat loss and you will find that sometimes it seems really easy and rapid and you think oh this is this is working and then other times it seems a bit slow and your brain will offer you the idea that it's not working it is still working but it is never linear it just isn't if we stop believing it's going to be linear then we're not surprised when lo and behold it's not linear really, really important. If we just don't have that expectation that it's going to be linear and expect that it is going to go up and down and that we are focusing on this beautiful nourishing process of caring for our bodies for the first time for some people, the first time in their life they are caring for their body, then, you know, that's when the magic happens. But you know, me as I was saying, a couple of patients I've seen over the last couple of months, they have been going through very, very, what I would call brutal regimes in this, the quest for the Holy Grail, which is to lose fat. And some of these have been, you know, training really hard with a personal trainer. And that's not to say that exercise is bad. It's definitely not bad, but it's not always helpful, particularly for women who perhaps are stressed and already have a high cortisol load. Adding intense exercise can actually increase that cortisol load. We know that cortisol is another one of our fat storing hormones. But interestingly, I spoke to another woman who'd been to see a doctor about weight loss and a weight loss doctor who was has a different philosophy to say you and I, Mary, who we believe in lifestyle medicine this was a very much a medical model and gave her a number of medications with really terrible side effects lots of vomiting and nausea and her quality of life was really terrible but she persisted in the quest for weight loss so despite the fact that she was vomiting daily she continued because of this promise of weight loss. It's not sustainable. When we say it's not sustainable, you can't live your... If you actually survey people, you go, why do you want to lose weight? And, you know, it's always like, well, I want to be healthier and I want to, you know, be able to enjoy my life and I want to, you know, live a good life. Well, daily vomiting doesn't fit any of those criteria. So it's really important, I think, for people to just take a step back and actually look at the holistic the whole person, the whole side of it. And, you know, the general public, people who are going to have perhaps doctors to lose weight or going to personal training regimes that are really, really hard, you actually, you know, you know, one of our favorite sayings is that you are the boss of you. 
you actually get to have a say in this. If this attempt at losing weight is brutal, then I would say stop it and return to this nurturing, wonderful, caring way of looking after your body. Yes. How often, this is a bit of a trick question, <laughs> Dr. <laughs> Dr. Lucy Burns, how often do you suggest patients weigh themselves? Ah, uh, well, you know our answer for just about every question always lies in, is it helpful or unhelpful? So for some people, if the number on the scales doesn't determine your day or your self-worth and you like the idea of just using the scales a bit like a compass to see where you are, but it doesn't, you know, send you into a flurry, then that could be helpful. And, you know, those people may want to weigh every day and they will see that it goes up and down and that that's normal. You know, that someday you might be half a kilo down, one kilo up, you know, depending on what's going on. And that's okay. But if you're a person who really just, like I was, absolutely wedded to the scales, hopping on after every wee, I'd go and jump on the scales just in case. Every poop, hop back on again. I don't know why, like in just in case it was the lowest I'd ever been, something like that. Then that's really unhelpful. I don't use the scales anymore. I've got scales. They're in the bathroom. I don't even need to hide them. I just walk past them. I go by my clothes. And because I don't wear elastic waisted pants anymore, I can actually tell that my jeans are a really good measure. And that's all I need to do. What about you, Mayor? Are you a scales girl? I am so not a scales girl. I actually don't find them a very helpful metric at all. And indeed, even as a weight loss doctor, you know, in my GP clinic, I frequently forget. Forget's not the right word. I don't weigh all my patients. It is just not the metric that I'm most interested in. I do sometimes, and it can be useful to track that, but I'm far more interested in waist circumference. So I will measure people's waist circumference because that is an indication of how much like um, central adiposity, how much um, fat they've got around their organs, far more useful. And no, I don't weigh myself at all. I don't find it at all helpful for me. My mental state is much better when my scales are away in the bathroom cupboard. Mm. And it goes back to me, and and I'm sure for most of us, if you focus on the process, so if you know you're eating well, then I think sometimes what happens is we might have a day or a week or whatever, month off plan, and, and then you hop on the scales hoping you haven't done too much damage, which is sort of weird, isn't it? It's almost back to front. Because at the end of the day, if you go back to just focusing on the process, then the scales are irrelevant. So you just focus eating well, nurturing your body with good quality protein, eating, you know, your vegetables, good quality fats, minimally processed food. And, you know, if you do that the majority of the time, the scales are going to be your friend and, you know, your weight will reflect what you're doing. And when the scales aren't, behaving the way that people want them to, say if they are someone who is weighing themselves regularly and we really don't necessarily recommend that you do that. But if you are and you hit what we often call a weight loss plateau when things plateau out for a while, how would you advise people, Lucy? How can they manage their mind? 
Yes, it is very tempting. Again, if we're in transaction mode where you're doing this very hard thing for this very good result and you don't get the result, to want to give up. So there's a couple of things that we talk about with plateaus. The first thing is you'll notice we've used the word plateau and not stall. A stall has a very negative connotation. If you stall the car, it's stopped. So the idea is it's stopped. And really, it's it's not like that. It doesn't happen like that. As we've talked about, it's not linear. A plateau is really where your weight has been stable for a considerable amount of time. And that's not two days. Okay, so it may be stable for, let's say, four weeks. And you still have some excess adipose tissue or body fat to lose. Then we would call that a, a plateau. And there's some physiology behind that, Mares, isn't there? What do we talk about with that? Yeah, we talk about weight set points. So people's physiology is a bit different. When when we're in a state of actively losing weight, we've had different physiological things going on than when we're in a state of plateau. The physiology is different. And weight loss plateaus are frequently observed in the scientific literature on weight loss studies. And it's led to this idea of this weight set point, that it is controlled by some sort of homeostatic mechanism, possibly in our brain, and that certainly certain parts of our hypothalamus in our brain have been um, suggested to be in charge of this weight set point. I think that they do exist and I think they are controlled by genes, environment and our physiology and that different people are going to have stronger sort of weight set points than other people. What we don't know is we don't know specifically what genes or what environmental factors are the most important and in controlling this weight set point. And I would say that you could actually celebrate a weight loss plateau in that a weight loss plateau could very well mean, and I actually think it probably does mean, that you are getting a new weight set point. So it means your body is adjusting to being at a new lower weight. And this is actually a wonderful thing. And the other thing I'll say about this idea of the weight set point, the hypothalamic weight set point, is that all the studies that look at this weight set point, so people have a, they'll start a lifestyle intervention, they'll lose some weight and then they gain it back up again to their weight loss set point. That could be a very disheartening kind of a concept. However, all those studies, nearly all of them are on the old calorie restriction model, eat less, do more, um, lose weight. And that is not a very sustainable approach to weight loss. It's certainly not the approach that we take at Real Life Medicine. We are not about eating less and calorie restriction and punitive regimes. We're about eating better and caring for yourself. Absolutely. And if you're insulin resistant, then you need to eat low carb, real food. That'll do it. Simples. Heal your metabolism. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Low carb, real food, care for yourself, nurture yourself. And that doesn't mean treat yourself with junk food. It means give yourself beautiful restorative sleep, spend some time out in nature, do some movement and eat delicious, low-carb, real food. Heal your body from the inside out. Absolutely. All right, Mayors. Well, speaking of delicious food, I think I can smell bacon and eggs cooking in my house. 
So I might scramble off and have some. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) See you all next week. Bye-bye. So, my lovely listeners, that ends this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. And I'm Dr. Mary Barson. We're from Real Life Medicine. To contact us, please visit rlmedicine.com. And until next time, thanks thanks for for listening. listening.